Welcome, Calvary Slow family, friends, guests. Today is an amazingly good day. We celebrate Jesus' resurrection, his complete victory over sin, darkness, death, evil, to begin something brand new that we have had this incredibly glorious opportunity being swept up into. So glad you are here joining with us. Hey, um, before we begin, just a couple things to kind of bring you guys up to speed with regard to so that you can be maximizing all the benefits of our time together here. Number one is to follow us on social media. If, for example, you currently don't subscribe or follow us on Instagram or Facebook, be sure that you go ahead and do that right now. So whip out your phone, your devices, and make sure that you like and or follow us. Um, secondly, along with those same lines, um, let us know where you're coming from. Uh, I was thinking it would be kind of fun to do something uh, – fun this morning uh, with regard to how we engage with one another. Because as much as I would love to see you uh, this morning, as we've been doing for many, many years, gathering together as a church family, whether it be at the pack with hundreds and hundreds of people or gathering together like we've been doing over the past couple of years in our building with three services filled with just a lot of excitement and people that are sharply dressed, uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun to let us know what you're wearing right now um, and post that online where you can do that your Instagram story where it's going to dissolve and go away in 24 hours, or you can post it in your actual Instagram page. Um, but we want to see you. We want to know you. And this is, we thought it'd be kind of fun. So tag us in that post, um, and let us know what you're wearing. Um, your whole outfit. It'd be awesome. It'd be kind of fun. And we will be sure to mention you and post you in that as well. But secondly, along those same lines, let us know where you're coming from. So if you're tuning in to the Facebook Live, um, just drop a little note uh, in the comment section to say you are watching from and fill in the blank, wherever you're from. Um, and also at the same time, uh, share, invite people right now. Take a brief second and just go ahead and share this to your Facebook page or your Instagram page and invite other people in to hear the good news about Jesus' resurrection this morning. Uh, we're excited about what God has in store. The second thing for you to be brought up to speed with is uh, we would invite you to follow along with our online worship guide. Um, the best way to access this is just go to calvaryslow.com. Simple, easy, right there on our front page is some um, instructions and information under Sunday worship. Um, or you can just type in calvaryslow.com forward slash um, Sunday worship guide. That might be a little bit too long, but if you don't remember that, just go to calvaryslow.com. All the information should be right there. Um, the benefit of that is it has all sorts of helpful content, not only for you to follow along, kind of like an online worship guide that we'll kind of go through, um, but at the very end of it, there'll, there'll be some great information for you if you got little kiddos at home and trying to figure out what to do in these crazy times in which we're living in right now um, under quarantine. It's an opportunity for you to download content so that you can spend some time with your kiddos, training them in the way of Jesus, and giving, some, giving them some good information about what Easter is all about. So again, check that out, calvaryslow.com forward slash Sunday worship guide. Um, for us as a church, our vision, our hope, our longing, our desire is that we would be formed into a community of followers of Jesus who love God love others, and live our lives making Jesus known. That's our ultimate hope. Everything we do is with that framework. That cornerstone is our ultimate aim. And so we are so glad that you guys are here, part of this moment together in these unprecedented times. Before we get into some singing and some teaching this morning, what we want to do in way of being formed as followers of Jesus is to do what we do every single week. It's a way of what we call practicing generosity. If you're a guest, if you're just tuning in, you've never been a part of Calvary Slow, uh, you don't have to pay any attention to this unless you want to. Um, this is simply an opportunity for those of uh, us who call Calvary Slow our home church to invest in what God is doing, not only here, but around the world so that we can continue to produce and create content like this and to develop disciples all around the world. It's a way for us to practice that muscle of generosity to help others uh, to benefit from the beautiful news of the gospel. You can uh, give online on calvaryslow.com. Uh, we have a Venmo account. Just 
you know, at Calvary Slow. It's super easy. You can download an app that we call Church Center app, and it has all super, informa- uh, super easy information for you to check out. Um, so again, it's simply a way for us to practice um, generosity, to exercise that muscle that helps us to be like God. God is an extremely generous, life-giving God, as we'll soon discover in this morning's message. So what I want to do right now as we begin to jump into this, we are going to do what we call our call to worship. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to have everyone stand if you would like. If you're laying in bed right now, that's totally cool. You don't need to stand. But if you'd like to stand, if you've got little kiddos that need some energy uh, or some means to get rid of some excess energy at this particular time in the day, um, have everyone stand in the house. And I'm just going to read um, what's called the responsive reading. I'm going to read a little section. And then in the Sunday worship guide, as you can follow along, there is an emboldened text. Uh, text that um, what I'm going to invite you to do is to read back with uh, exuberance and uh, excitement as I read, right after I read the very first section. So um, this is based on Psalm 118, and uh, I'll read it, then you can boldly, gladly, joyfully, exuberantly uh, shout it back. So here we go. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. Because his faithful love endures forever. So this is your opportunity right now. Boldly, joyfully say, Christ is risen. Praise the Lord. So that's, that's, that's a freebie right there for you. I'm not going to do the next one. I'll let you go ahead and do it. Here we go. The next one. The sounds of joyful songs of deliverance are heard among God's people. The Lord's strong hand is victorious. Your turn. Next. I will live and declare what the Lord has done. Your turn. The stone rejected by the builders is now the main foundation stone. This has happened because of the Lord. It is astounding in our sight. Your turn. This is the day that the Lord has acted. And we'll all say it together. We will rejoice and celebrate in it. Today is a good day as we celebrate the amazing things that God has done. To continue now, we are going to uh, join with some of our worship leaders. We have so many amazingly gifted musicians in our church. Uh, This is Mo and Jordan Martin that are going to lead you guys in some songs. So let's go ahead and respond accordingly. Good morning, Calvary Slow family. We really miss you guys. Um, We're really excited to be able to worship with you this Easter morning. And I just wanted to encourage you as we're all in our separate places and it feels kind of awkward and weird to be sitting and looking at a screen and trying to worship through it. I just want to encourage you that there is this amazing kind of mysterious thing that happens when we all join our voices together in worship of the Lord. And So I just want to encourage you to do that this morning, to be comfortable, stand up, sit down, like do what you have to do in your home to really engage in worship. And yeah, let's do that this morning. Let's let's just uh, get started singing a couple songs. i 
this morning that we are here to celebrate that you are a God who stepped into our story and who not only wrote the story and created us but stepped in to be our redeemer and I thank you so much for that Lord that you say that you make your dwelling place with us and inside of us so I pray that we would just that that would be a deeper truth and reality that we would walk in this morning as we are not gathered together in a place, but that we are gathered together in your name as temples of your Holy Spirit, as people who um, contain the life of Christ inside of us, Lord. We thank you so much for that mystery and that reality this morning, and we celebrate it. Amen. Hey, so... Today, unlike any other day throughout the year, is a day in which we remember and celebrate. Today's a celebration day. It's a day about good things that have happened um, from God for the benefit of the whole world, really. It's an invitation for all of us to take a look at what God is doing, what God has done, what he began, and how he has swept us up into being a part of that. That being said, as I was thinking about and reflecting upon the life of Jesus, among many of the miracles that Jesus has done, I think one of the most amazing miracles of Jesus was that he transformed an instrument of death that was made of wood into a tree of life. Jesus actually himself not only is, but also embodies the tree of life. This image uh, that comes from the Old Testament of God bringing life into this world that's just touched by, in the grip of, in the throes of death. And maybe that's where your life is at right now. And that's something that you have experienced, that you feel it's, it's part of your landscape. My hope this morning and the time that we have together here that you would enter into an awareness of how much God has done to bring about uh, reordering of this creation of our lives to move from one of death and destruction and fear of death. That's all part of that and part of the whole landscape into one of life in which Jesus is the tree of life. So what I want to do right now is we'll do two main things. Number one, we're going to watch a little video from the Bible Project people about Jesus, the tree of life. And then secondly, we're going to listen to one of the accounts uh, from the Gospel of John. In fact, if you want to turn there right now, you can turn to the Gospel of John chapter 20. We'll be taking a look at um, relatively verse 19 on down to 29. So those are the two main things that we're going to be doing. So right now we're going to cue over to the Bible Project video on Tree of Life. Enjoy that, and then we'll get into the teaching. The story of the Bible begins in a garden where God and humans live together. 
And the biblical authors want us to see this garden as a type of temple. The top is the most sacred place, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is most intense. And that's where we find the Tree of Life. So, what's this tree all about? Well, it represents God's own life and creative power that is made available to others. In fact, God's first command is that humans eat from all of the trees, including this one. So you're ingesting God's own life. That sounds intense. Yeah, this meal transforms the one who eats it. Or in the words of the story, it leads to eternal life. Okay, but on the way to the tree of life, the humans have to pass by another tree called the tree of knowing good and bad. And God says that eating from this tree will kill you. How does it do that? Well, it represents taking the authority to do what is good in your own eyes. And when humans do that, it leads to broken relationships, violence, and death. And so here's the thing. Both trees look beautiful, but one of them is a false tree of life. And the humans take from this false tree of life. And they're exiled from the garden for good. Which raises the question, can anyone ever get back to the tree of life? Well, later on in the story, we meet a man named Moses, and he encounters God in a desert tree on top of a mountain. Oh, you mean the burning bush? where Moses is told that he's standing on holy ground. Yeah, it's a plant on a mountain radiating with God's life and power, just like the tree of life. And God tells Moses, bring your people up to this mountain so we can form a partnership. And this partnership will force them to make a choice. Will they follow gods of their own making or receive life from the true God? And in this story, they give their allegiance to an idol. And it's just the first of many. The story goes on to show generation after generation choosing gods of their own making. And these idols were usually placed on tall hills like beautiful trees. But they're false trees of life that lead the people into self-destruction, exile, and death. It's like death's grip on us is too strong to resist. Is there any hope? Well, let's turn now to the story of Jesus. He came to announce that God's eternal life was available once again through him. So Jesus thinks of himself as the tree of life. Yes, this is what he meant when he claimed to be the vine that brings God's life into the world. And Jesus invited people to eat from him. Yeah, he was inviting people to trust him and be transformed by his life. But Jesus also exposed how corrupt humans are, how much they love false trees of life. And so Jesus presented people with a new choice between life or death. And this time, they don't just choose death. They also chose to attack the one who sustains all of life. Yes, Jesus is led up to the top of a hill where he dies upon a tree. The cross is the sad and violent result of humanity's desire to do what is good in our own eyes. The tree of life has been overcome by the power of death. Well, it seemed that way. But Jesus said that he was a seed of God's life that would die in the ground, but then grow into a plant that would bear much fruit. So to defeat death, Jesus went through it. And now this new tree of life stands before us all. We can eat from it, but it will mean passing through death like Jesus, allowing our old way of being human to die. So that a new humanity can grow in its place. Yes, Jesus said he is the vine and we are his branches. So not only do you eat from this tree, you're invited to become a part of it, helping produce its fruit so that his life and love can spread through us to others. And so the story of the Bible ends in a new garden which is also a kind of temple, with the tree of life at its center, providing healing and life forever to all who choose to eat from it. Hey, thanks for uh, tuning in again. If you just tuned in, super glad that you are joining us on this Facebook live stream as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection on this amazing day, though 
incredibly unprecedented times. Hey, uh, before we jump into the message, the teaching here this morning, just two really quick things to, again, bring you back up to awareness. And just in case you, if you had missed it, number one, follow us on social media. Definitely check out our uh, Instagram page and follow us. That's a good way, as well as our Facebook page. It's a good way for you to be in the loop as to all sorts of new content that's coming out and ways that we are trying to be creative and provide um, information for you so that you can grow as a disciple in these unprecedented times. It's also a way for you to kind of get information as to what's happening with regard to how we gather on, on Sunday morning, like our Sunday worship guide and things of that nature as well. Lastly, before we jump into the teaching here this morning, I mentioned this at the beginning. I thought I'd kind of circle back and do a final time. Um, if you are, as you are watching, I should say, as you are watching. Let us know, um, as it's Easter, most people tend to dress up nice for Easter. As you can see, I'm looking at my nice Baptist best, and uh, so I'd love to know what you're wearing. So uh, in Instagram, either stories or your actual page, um, take a photo of yourself. We all know that y'all love selfies, so take a photo of yourself and or your family and what you're wearing, and then go ahead and post on there, but make sure that you tag Calvary Slope Church in there, and we'd be happy to mention you in our Instagram story. So there you go. What we just saw as we were looking at the story of Jesus, I made this comment at the very beginning, we'll circle back, and we'll begin to just take a look at the account of one of Jesus' followers, their story about Jesus's life. I said, one, among the many miracles that Jesus had done, one of the most amazing ones is that he transformed an instrument of death that was made out of wood into a tree of life. That Jesus himself is the tree of life. And what I want to do right now is I'm going to take a look at a little brief snippet of a story. There's so many stories to look at. And this is just one little section, one little story I want to focus our attention on. It comes from the gospel according to John. It's out of chapter 20. And it's just a handful of like verses that we'll look at little vignettes or little snippets as to how G Jesus interacts with them. Um, I want to basically look at four specific things and we'll wrap this up. So number one, I want to take a look at John chapter 20, verse 19, and I want to see how Jesus interacts. So the story takes place immediately following Jesus' resurrection. Now again, a little bit of a backstory. If you're familiar with what happened on what we commonly call Good Friday, that was definitely not called Good Friday back in that day. It was just called a horrible Friday where Jesus, who was thought to have been the Messiah, was horrifically put to death. That being said, Jesus had been prophesying and communicating to his disciples that he would die. He would go to Jerusalem. He'd be handed over to the authorities, the religious leaders, the political leaders, and that Jesus would then suffer in a horrific way and then die at the hands of those that wanted him uh, to be put to death. However, he would always tell them, though, even though I would die, three days later I would rise again from the dead. And this is where the story of John begins to take place. So we begin to see Jesus now beginning to come forth from the grave into a garden tomb. And Mary, we're told that one of the people that were there early at the tomb thought or assumed that Jesus was actually a gardener, which this, this whole storyline is, is ironic because on the one hand, all of these are hints that are basically pointing you right back to the original storyline of the Bible where in the garden, in an original garden, uh, there was to be Adam and Eve who were to be gardeners, people that tended or took care of the garden. Now new creation is beginning again in a garden by one who is assumed to be a gardener. And so here Jesus now circles back and begins to meet up with his friends. Now, this is where the story picks up. Jesus comes into the room, and John chapter 20, verse 19 says this, on the evening of the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were hiding for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them. And then it goes on to say, then he speaks to them. So number one, we'll kind of go into this, and I'll look at three more, and then we'll wrap this up. So number one, we see that Jesus speaks a word to the disciples, uh, in order to calm their anxieties or to calm their fears. This is a really interesting story because in the account that we're given here is that the disciples who had followed Jesus, they're hiding. They're literally um, on lockdown in a house, totally in the grip of anxiety and fear. 
which again, uh, the irony obviously can't be more uh, unmissed by us in the context in which we find ourselves right now, where all of us, we are at home. We're not at church. We're not at a public gathering, though we would love to see everyone. This right now is where we're at. Many of us are in this grip of anxiety and fear. And this is exactly where the first Easter, the first resurrection celebration took place, where the first initial disciples, followers of Jesus, were deeply gripped by fear in homes, fearing, worrying for themselves, worrying for their lives. And it's in this context that Jesus steps into this whole entire world or landscape or scenario and begins to speak to them. The very first word that Jesus speaks is he says, peace, be still, and his whole aim is to calm their anxieties. So for some of us, maybe that's what we need to hear is a word from Jesus, peace, be still, peace, knowing that he is there in the midst of them. Again, just listen to the passage again. It says, Jesus came and stood among them. I don't know what types of circumstances you may be facing today or how in the throes of anxiety or worry or emotional breakdown you may find yourself or what type of breakpoint you might be exhibiting or experiencing right now. What I would love for you to be able to grasp and hear this morning is the fact that Jesus is right there standing in the midst of his disciples, those who have found themselves previously in a state of anxiety. He speaks, number one, a word to calm their anxieties. Number two, we see that he shows his wounds, confirming that he is indeed alive. And it ultimately brings to them joy. Listen to the story. John chapter 20, verse 20. Next verse, it says, then he showed them his hands in his side and disciples, they were glad that they saw it was the Lord. Now, again, you got to understand a little bit where this story kind of jumps in from is that up until this point, Jesus, disciples, they weren't fully aware or in tune or in some cases straight up just disbelieving as to exactly what was happening. Um, in other words, they heard Jesus say things that he was going to be arrested and uh, crucified, died, buried, and rose, rose, rise again. They didn't fully understand what that meant. In other words, many of the words of Jesus just did not simply make sense to them. Maybe that's, again, where you're at. Maybe there's a lot of times you hear things that come from the Bible, or you hear preachers or people that claim to be followers of Jesus, and they talk about the words that Jesus has said, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you. Well, you're in good company because all of Jesus' followers throughout all the ages have always had these moments where we just don't quite get and understand everything that he's saying. But nonetheless, here they are in the midst of this, not fully aware or understanding exactly the implication as to what has happened. They find themselves in the midst of this situation confronted by Jesus. Jesus comes to them and he doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't tell them how horrible they are, that they didn't catch it or understand it or thoroughly comprehend what he had said. But what he does to them is he shows them tangible evidence that it is indeed him. It's not a ghost. It's not, you know, an apparition. It's not a dream. It's not a collective, you know, hallucination. This is indeed Jesus post-death. Again, to pause, to reflect, to consider this. Um, this is Jesus showing them that he had indeed suffered at the hands of the Romans and of the religious leaders the most horrific fate that could ever come upon any human being, especially during that time frame, perhaps ever since then. But Jesus has overcome it. He's not dead. He's not hanging on the cross. He's not buried somewhere in the tomb under uh, many, many pounds of grave clothes. He is alive. And here he is in the midst, standing with his disciples who were beleaguered and broken and confused and dazed. And now they have seen with their own eyes that it is indeed Jesus. And it says, and it brought them joy. And I love this image because it shows us something about the fact that you can be in a state of anxiety and worry and fear and beleaguerment, and yet in an instant have all of that washed away by God's presence and be replaced with a deep sense of joy. And that's what we see happening here. The third thing that I want you to notice is that then Jesus breathed on his friends as a symbolic gesture linking their story in that moment to the opening sequence of, of creation, ultimately giving them and their lives, purpose, and meaning. So realize that was extremely lengthy and wordy, but just listen to how the story 
breaks out. In John chapter 20, I'll read it right here because I don't have it in my notes. That's the way things work. Here we go. Listen to what it says. And then in verse 20, and when they had, uh, when he had showed him his hands and his side, the disciples were glad that they saw that it was Lord. Verse 21, then Jesus said, peace be with you as the father sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. The main point I really want you to focus on is just consider is Jesus breathed on them. I don't know what you think about that or how you even imagine that, but this would have been a deeply symbolic act and immediately would have taken the minds and the collective recollection of those disciples who were deeply entrenched in the Hebraic scriptures all the way back to the opening sequence of the Bible where it says, in the beginning, God spoke and he created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes on to say, and the spirit of God, the word spirit can literally mean the breath or the wind or the, the, the voice in some cases, but the breath of God breathes over all creation and makes something brand new. So when Jesus says, or when John tells us what Jesus does, that he breathes on them, this symbolic act would have immediately caused them to realize this is an act of new creation that's happening. But then Jesus goes on to really kind of point out and he uh, points out to them. He says, and I'm inviting you to go. Um, Again, listen to what he says. Peace be with you as the father sent me, even so I'm sending you into all the world. So tying this mission or commission, if you want to think of it this way, to the opening sequence of the Bible, what Jesus is very clearly ascribing or communicating to his disciples is that your life, though in the very present moment in a state of chaos and horror and breakdown and beleaguerment and all of these types of emotions that may have been gripping you in their teeth, you have been given not only new life, but a new mission, new purpose, new meaning. One of the things I think that COVID-19 and home quarantine and all of these types of collective challenges that we've been facing have been causing in our own kind of existential challenges is, is who are we? What's the purpose of my life? Why am I even here? And right now in our world, more than ever, especially in the West, there is this collective sense of amnesia, if you want to think of it that way, in terms of meaninglessness. We don't know who we are. We don't know what the purpose of life is. We're constantly being told that we just kind of came into existence by some sort of random act of chances and ideas and uh, um, um, other forms that are uh, invisible to the naked eye, but nonetheless at work. And as a result of this, and all sorts of other means that are in stories and narratives that are happening and circulating throughout culture at large, uh, we are also simultaneously being told, but you matter, but you matter. And I think this leads to a deep sense of confusion in many human beings, many people that I have conversations with, that I talk to, that maybe you not only talk to, but maybe you yourself feel is a sense of what's the purpose and the meaning of my life. There has to be more to life than just simply swiping left or right or up and down on your cell phone or binge watching another season of whatever it is, Apple TV, Netflix, Hulu, whatever. At some point, once you reach to the end of these means, we just feel this deep sense of anguish. We ask the question, is there more? The hope that Jesus is imbuing upon his followers is he's bringing them into a recognition, a revelation that their life matters. I want you to know that your life matters. Jesus loves you. And that's not just cheap cliche on grandma's coffee mug. You matter to Jesus. And the evidence of this is we see Jesus coming back from the dead coming into the life of his disciples that have been deeply broken and confused and filled with anxiety and beginning to bring life 
back into them and bring purpose and meaning back into their collective consciousness and understanding so that they can then begin to live into the life that God has for them. I want to pause before we move on to the final point and just ask you this question to think about. What and how would your life look different if you truly lived into this awareness that not only do you matter to God, but that you have purpose and mission from God? In other words, that the whole aim, whole purpose of your life is far beyond just you looking physically your best or taking selfies or somehow binge watching the next episode or whatever it is. Life has far more purpose and meaning beyond just simply that. What types of things could you be doing in this life right now, that not only bring incredible blessing and encouragement and hope to so many people right now that are hopeless, and at the same time, causing you to feel this deep sense of fulfillment because God has invited you into something more and you are living into the very purpose for which you have been recreated as a result of the resurrection. Lastly, So number one, we'll take a look at this again real quick. Number one, Jesus speaks a word to calm their anxieties. Number two, he shows his wounds, confirming that he is indeed alive and it ultimately brings him joy. Number three, Jesus breathed on his friends as this symbolic act, uh, linking uh, their story to the opening sequence of creation, giving their lives new purpose and meaning. And then finally, this is one of my most favorite parts of this entire story, is that Jesus pursues the one who is ruined by doubts and objections. And listen to the story. I'm just going to read this to you. I'll make a couple real quick closing comments and I'm done. Listen to what he says. John chapter 20, or John chapter 20, verse 24 says, this is uh, an introduction to another guy by the name of Thomas. Some of you who have some form of Christian background or story uh, and understanding, you know him to be described as doubting Thomas. And there's a good reason for that. Uh, doubting Thomas, or now Thomas was one of the 12 who's called the twin. He was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the mark of his nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. So I would imagine, again, based upon the story that we just read, the details, information that were uh, deposited for us, we realize that Jesus shows them his hands in his side. Uh, Thomas, for whatever reason, he was not there. Uh, his uh, friends are telling him, hey, we saw Jesus. We saw his hands inside. And Thomas is kind of the, the skeptic of the whole crew. He's, you know, Debbie Downer. He's the glasses half full type of a guy. And he's the guy that's always pessimistic. And he's the guy that right now is just like, unless I see and touch the fact, I'm not gonna believe. It's all good. I'm glad you guys had this encounter. But for me, I'll take a more rationalistic approach and I will reserve my enthusiasm until I'm able to touch and feel and experience this. In other words, he is this classic depiction of one that's riddled by doubts and objections. And that might be you, but listen to the story. Listen to the story. I love this. And then it says, so that was all backstory. In verse 26, it says, and eight days later, his disciples they were inside again. So again, fast forward, you know, this whole eight days later. So if the intro story that we just read takes place on Easter Sunday, later in the evening, um, eight days later, probably would have been like Monday night sometime. So here we go. Monday night, a week later, it says the disciples, they were inside again. And then Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, again, Jesus, for some reason, loves to come into these rooms, even though the door's locked. I don't know how he does that. It's a miracle. Uh, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And then Thomas answered him, my Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And I'll finish with this little section here. Verse 30 is a bonus one for you. Then Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but those are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, the one who is the tree of life. And in concluding, what I want to do is I just want to leave you with this thought that Jesus himself is the tree of life and ask you, What are you experiencing right now in this life? 
what are the types of emotions and feelings and thought processes and objections are you dealing with right now? My hope this morning would be that you would see that we have a God that loves you greatly, that reaches out to you, that pursues even those that are crippled by doubts and perplexities and objections, that he comes to those that are filled with anxieties and he speaks words to them to bring into their heart a deep sense of joy and peace. This is the God that breathes over us and says, live, live a new life. Live a life that's defined by meaning and purpose and syncing up with the original ideal which I had for you. This is the God that invites us. So in conclusion, what I want to do right now is we're going to go to one final song of worship that Mo and Jordan uh, are going to play for us. So as we do, I want to invite you that if you are watching, maybe you're not a Christian and you're far from God. Maybe you are like Thomas. Maybe his story is one that uh, deeply resonates with you that you have found yourself in that place of like, I refuse to believe in some God that I can't see or touch or feel or sense or know. Um, And again, you are in good company. You are not a weird person. You are not somebody that should be isolated from. You are a human being that is just like other characters in the Bible who is also greatly loved. Or maybe you're someone that's defined by anxiety or worries or fears or someone that finds yourself in the moment of just lacking any form of meaning or purpose in your life right now, my hope would be that as we sing this last song, that you just come to the altar, come and receive what God has for you and place your confidence in him. And if you're not a follower of Jesus or you're far from God, I'm gonna pray a prayer real quick after the song to invite you to trust this Jesus. And then we'll call this morning a wrap as we celebrate this incredible moment that happened 2,000 years ago. So let's worship together in this final song. Thanks.
Sing a 